Blog yes. Talk Radio. Topics. Sometimes we do them for fun, sometimes we do them for a social cause, sometimes we do them because they're just important. Today, I think we're doing a little bit of all three. We have with us today Senator Liz Vasquez, who is an Alaska representative. She's a Republican. And we also have with us Senator Max Gruen. Uh, Burke, are you there, Senator? Or uh, Representative, I'm sorry. Representative Vasquez, are you with us? Yes, I am. Thank you okay. for inviting us. Oh, you're welcome. And Senator Grunberg, you're there as well. Why do I keep calling you guys senators? I'm I'm moving your houses <laughs> all over here. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Representative Grunberg, you're with us as well, right? I don't hear him. I don't either. But his 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 um, his light is lit up. So I'm going to try saying, Max, are you there? Let me call his office and see what's going on on the other phone number. I just got off the phone with him. Okay. Well, maybe he's he's trying to speed dial or something. We can't use... um, speaker phones and all that. It doesn't work very well. And he just hung up, so I think he's trying again. So let's see if that that works. Are you with well, us, anyways. Max? You know, I'm just he's calling in and I see his button there, so I don't know. Um Liz, maybe you could try to uh give him a, a little uh, uh uh call okay. there. I don't know what's going on. Meanwhile, I'm going to talk about this bill, um, this proposed legislation um, that you folks have, um, that you, Liz, have recommended, struck me very, very um, close to my heart. Um, Having worked with a number of women who are in domestic violence situations, I have to tell you there are so many times when I hear of an animal either being used to further abuse someone or an animal being used um, as a threat to make a victim do something that they want to do. If you leave me, you will regret this. If you um, just, you know, it's just, there we go. Max, you're with us now? Yeah, I'm sorry. I could hear you, but you couldn't hear me. Oh, well, uh, that sometimes happens, you know, technology. And uh, right. I hope it's okay that I call you Max, because I keep calling you guys senators. I don't know why. Um must have a senator on the brain today. So if it's okay for me to use your first names, I will do that, and then I'll I'll save myself the embarrassment of giving you uh, long titles. Sure. Uh, sure, <laughs> Harry, the only one who can't call me Max is my dog. <laughs> okay. Well, um, thank you very much for joining in us uh, in with us today, and thank you also uh, for this legislation. Uh, this bill, I think, speaks to a number of issues about domestic violence and pet abuse and all sorts of issues. And uh, when I was reading it, it's fairly simple and straightforward, is it not? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and, and it only does it. it 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 does three things it uh, number 1 provides a mechanism for the government to re- recoup the cost of care when they seize animals that are abused or neglected um a lot of times it's it's very hard for them to get the cost of care and this provides uh, updates a very simple method for them to either require the owner to to pay as they go or they can require them to put a lien, uh, get a bond to put a lien on their property or whatever they need to to cover the cost. Um, And it protects people in domestic violence situations um, uh, so that the courts are absolutely informed that they can can, uh, get uh, domestic violence protective orders, and we're joining 26 other states in doing that. And finally, it makes it very clear that courts can enter orders for the ownership or 
custody of pets in divorces and dissolutions, and that they must consider, they don't have to base the opinion totally on it, but they can consider, uh, should consider the welfare of the animal. Right. Right. Um, one of the art. No, well, let's back up a little bit for the listeners. Um, we have uh, this this legislation uh, in the Alaska State um, uh, House, and basically, it would include pets under protection orders. Um, is yes. that correct? Yes. Yes. And. Yeah, and and in other words, it's going to help protect pets in domestic violence situations as well as animal abuse situations. And we're going to have, I know a caller who will call in and say, but protection orders don't protect anybody. Um, No, there's no guarantee. They don't come with, you know, an armed bodyguard. However, they are an important first step to creating action and protection for people. Would you agree, Liz? Absolutely. And also when you go into court and you're trying to um, convict some someone later down the road of a crime, um, you can point to the judge a history of the protective orders or the restraining orders, saying there's been a history here, this is not, uh, you know, we need to send a message to this abuser and we need to send a message to the community that this behavior is not acceptable. Right. Especially, as I said, you know, domestic violence is all about control. And when you control people, you use whatever you can use to do that, including threatening pets or actual harm to pets. Um, You use whatever you can use to get your way, and that's what abusers do. And so often women feel... um, um, reluctant to get out of a situation that they they might not feel as reluctant to to leave if there's a pet um i myself had a conversation with a, a woman once who lived on a farm she had horses cattle she had all sorts of animals and her husband was becoming more and more and more abusive and when she said she was going to leave he said you leave and within an hour those animals will all be dead wow Wow, you you don't think that would give you a pause? You know, I mean, I always think of that when people say, well, why doesn't she just leave? Well, really, would you just be, you know, zipping out the door after a comment like that, or would you be thinking, wait a minute, you know, what about all those animals? Um, Animals are used as a tool of control, um, just like so many other tools. And I think that this is the first legislation I've seen, and I hope callers will let me know if I'm wrong, but this is the first legislation that I have proposed legislation that I've seen that actually addresses the issue that animals in that household can be used as, as controllers um, to further abuse victims. Callers, I hope you'll join us. We have a call in line at 646 378 Zero four three zero six four six three seven eight zero four three zero, and um, we also have a chat line. So if you go to our webpage, you can access the chat line, and that is www.blogtalkradio/slash/three-women-three-ways, and. Um, that is where you can get onto our chat line. And I see we had a caller that just dropped off. Please call her. Give us a call again. Uh, give us another chance here. I think it was. I, I think I actually missed your call because I was trying to get the um, both representatives up and running. So give us another call. Six four six three seven eight zero four three zero. Max, why did you come on board with this? Um, uh, why did I introduce the bill? Why did we introduce the bill? Yes. Hello? Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, well, uh, several reasons. Um, it's actually a three-part bill. Okay. The domestic violence issue came to my attention recently when I read a magazine article that Ohio had been, I think, the 26th state to pass such a law and uh, uh, that specifically says that a court can enter a protective order in a DV case for an animal. Um, and we, don't, we didn't have that. We don't have that in our own domestic violence statutes. It is on the form that they can do it. But 
most of these cases involve people who do not have attorneys. And in many cases, the judge judges in a case uh, in a state as big as Alaska, which is one-fifth the size of the country, um, are, are magistrates, and they're not lawyers. And having it there in the statute will provide important notice. Um, I'm a retired family lawyer, and uh, there's nothing in the divorce or dissolution statutes that allows a court to um, uh, um, uh, to enter an order for the ownership or custody of, of pets. And there's no Alaska Supreme Court case directly on point. I was considering introducing a bill like this a number of years ago, and some people talked me out because out of it because uh, I think they were afraid we would stir up some resentment. In fact, that hasn't occurred. We've gotten widespread support. We have about 13 or 14 of the representatives out of 40 as co-sponsors. And then the Humane Society with, came to us. I just spoke with Liz, uh, Liz's assistant yesterday, and I think she said 18. I think you. Wow, uh, that's more than I knew. You're up to 18. Oh, yeah. But Liz, do you, uh, know, and, do you remember? Am I speaking out of turn here? Do you have 18 supporters at this point? We may have. We may have. I've been quite surprised uh, at the support we're getting both in the legislature and out in uh, with my constituents. I'm getting all kinds of mail. I had uh, uh, a lady uh, write in yesterday or the day before saying that. Uh, she was a victim of domestic violence. She would not leave that situation because she didn't want to leave her dog, her beloved dog, her pet. Her pet, she called it her dog child. And, uh, you know, until she could safely get him out of the home, she wasn't going to uh, leave. Um, and so yeah. she was very grateful this legislation was in the works. And I have, um, I have, Folks, you know, calling and writing. I mean, I've been pleasantly surprised. I, I'm just really happy about this. I, I'm a dog lover. I'm a bird lover, <laughs> and uh, I've always had dogs. And um, there, I, I, I told, I jokingly told Max. Uh, I came in at the very big, uh, the early stage of working on this, and I said to Max. I've got a conflict, and of course his eyes got big and his jaw almost dropped. And I said, "I'm a dog mom. <laughs> <laughs> love my dogs, love my dogs, and I'm proud to be a dog mom." So now I was a, a prosecutor. I did child support. Uh, I have read. I have read over the years extensively, and uh, this is definitely an issue. The abusers do use children and pets uh, to control the victim. And one thing that is not mentioned or it's not so obvious is children form powerful, at times powerful bonds with their pets. And for the children to see the abuser, um, you know, traumatize the pet, either, you know, killing it, torturing it or maiming or hurting it, it's, it's a very traumatic event for children. Of course, it is for anybody, yeah. but especially for children. And for the children to be denied that companionship is is just very traumatic, very traumatic. In yeah. other words, even if, if the mother was to make arrangements to leave, uh, even if she was willing to leave the pet, uh, children suffer. Oh, they do. And when you make the decision to leave, a woman has to decide, first of all, where is she going to leave to? Where is she going to go to? And oftentimes um, a, a choice is a shelter. Most shelters don't take pets. They don't. Um, they just don't have the facilities. They don't have the financing. They they just cannot take the pet. Um you have to decide, okay, if I go to the shelter, um, then my kids are going to be left without this pet. If I have to live in the car, my kids are going to be left without the pet. Maybe yeah. I can go to grandma's house for a while, but grandma's allergic to dogs. What am I going to do with the pet? I don't have the money to board the dog. 
Now, there are some shelters here and there that will uh, accept pets for a certain length of time um, from women who are leaving, but those are few and far between and pretty rare. So, um, you know, the the whole idea of this, this bonding, the family has bonded, the children have bonded, and so you're supposed to all of a sudden remove your children from their home, uh, possibly from their schools, because depending on where you go to, uh, and then also, you know, adding insult to injury is, you know, the the pet not being there. So just the idea of not being able to take take the pet with you when you have bonded with this animal and your children have bonded with the animal is is traumatic enough. But to know that if you, in fact, leave, something bad might happen to that animal. That animal might be killed. Um, you know, it's just an excruciating, it's adding salt to all those wounds. Um, I have st- some statistics uh, representatives from the ASPCA, and they quote a study that was done in 11 U.S. cities about pet ab- abuse and one of the four most significant indicators of who is at greatest risk of becoming a domestic batterer people who abuse animals are likely to become batterers. Um, Batterers also abuse pets. uh, They're more dangerous and more violent and have more controlling behaviors than those who do not harm animals. Um, Between 18 and 48 percent of battered women and their children delay leaving abusive situations in fear of what might happen to their animals. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big problem. It's adding uh, stress. It's adding pressure. It's adding problems um, to women who are trying to leave situations. And, yes, I say women because the vast majority of abused people are women abused by men. And um, so, you know, I don't even have that argument anymore. Yes, there are abused men, um, but the vast majority of them are, are women. So, again, please give us a call, 646 646- Three seven eight zero four three zero. Max, when you decided to go on board, was it through personal experience? Did you happen to know of people who have experienced domestic violence and and had problems with uh, taking care of their pets or with protecting their pets? Um, not much in my private practice, because the people who came to me as a family lawyer generally were not people who were in this situation. They were people with maybe custody cases, uh, people with money problems and issues there, uh, and economic kinds of situations where many times uh, the wage earner, the person with the money, was able to control the process because in many cases the woman had real trouble getting a lawyer. It was the same kind of a family dynamic, but it didn't usually play out with with pets um, or with animals. Those folks often can't afford to to get uh, a lawyer. And uh, we have actually some other statutes that really relate to this, to the abusive situation, as well as, you know, the regular crimes against the person. We have a cruelty to animals statute we updated four or five years ago that many cases makes it a felony to be cruel to animals. And we also now have uh, a sentence enhancer where somebody is convicted of a crime against uh, a person, like an assault or whatever. And if they have a history of abuse against animals, we added an amendment that says this can be used to um, increase the sentence, enhance the sentence. So the the uh, domestic violence statutes, the criminal law, and the sentence enhancers. It's like a three-legged stool, and it all relates. So what we're talking about here may not simply be a DV case or a divorce, but can also get into the criminal sphere. Yes. Well, and I was going to ask about that, too. Liz, did you have personal experience uh, or constituents who encountered problems with this uh, in domestic violence situations? I've had constituents, and also um, over the years, because I was a prosecutor and did child support, I read a lot of transcripts and court decisions and so forth, and um, the issue became obvious to me. And also just living and hearing people and and life and hearing their life experiences. Um, You know, there's quite a bit of domestic violence out there, and it reaches all socioeconomic levels 
Um, so I'm very well aware of the issue, and and I'm just happy that we're able to come on your show and uh, um, have people more aware of these issues. And I, I'll give uh, there's an excellent article that my colleague mentioned, and I'll mention it by name. It is um, in the Today Juvenile and Family Justice Today, and the article's name is Protecting Domestic Violence Victims by Protecting Their Pets. And it's by Sherry Ramsey, Mary Lou Randor, Nancy Blaney, and Maya Gupta. And it's uh, the date of that article is Spring 2010. It's an excellent, excellent article. It cites many research, uh, much research, extensive fitness, and cites several yeah. serious um, studies. But um, there is... Uh, well, and this... The, this article I would like to throw out also mentions um, states that have protective order laws for pets, um, and yes. one of them I'm happy to say is Colorado because, and uh, I got my master's degree in Colorado, and also Washington State, where I currently live. So yay me! I'm follow the progressive states. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if if you are interested in, in doing some uh, work along these lines in your state, I would recommend finding the article and looking at it and contacting those states and some of the representatives who worked on those things to find out how they did it and uh, how they proceeded. And again, that's Juvenile and Family Justice Today. And mm-hmm. that is a, a publication of the National Council of Juvenile and Family Court Judges, so you can probably access it through their website. It is spring of 2010, so that's old enough it shouldn't be a protected, I don't think it would be a protected uh, journal at this point. I would imagine you could have access to it whether you belong to certain uh, organizations or databases, and uh, and it's a good article. Um, the representatives are kind enough to forward that to me, and it is a very good article. Now, I know a little bit about politics, and what I know about politics is nothing is ever easy. So, um, Liz and Max, I'm sure that you've had some people who uh, have told you how horrible this is, an, this is as an idea. Have you had some detractors, or has it been mostly positive? Max? Um in the past, some folks from the domestic violence community uh, have expressed hesitation because they're afraid to do anything to the domestic violence statutes in the state. Um, and uh, uh, since we decided to go ahead with the bill, um, we have not had anybody directly say anything about it. But this is a, a, only a part of the broader bill we're introducing. Sure. And we are yeah, not going to permit this bill to be Christmas treed. Um, in fact, we, we're, we're doing this, Representative Vasquez and I, in a bipartisan manner. And we seem to yes, be I getting real. Uh, we seem to be getting real support from both sides of the aisle. The Speaker only assigned the bill to the Judiciary Committee, uh, which which I sit on, and uh, um, we're scheduled for a hearing a week from Monday, which is fantastically expedited around here, and uh, hopefully it'll pass, go to the floor, go to the Senate, and hopefully we can only get it assigned to only one committee judiciary in, in the other body, too, and we could get it to the governor this year, and we only have, like, about a month left in the session. Um, we have a real shot at getting it passed this year. Well, it sounds like it's moving fast. Liz, have you had people who have suggested that this is not the way to go? No, I've just had some folks chuckle, um, and when I've asked them to go sponsor, they've chuckled and say, huh, including pets in a divorce decree? <laughs> so, yeah, there's some people that think this is a little silly, but overall I've had a great uh, reaction. Yeah. Well, and I can understand, especially the way, you know, the, the, the bill will apply to people. I mean, if you have, I'm sure that if you have a situation where a couple has lived together and um, whether they're married or not and they split up, there's going to be... Um, issues and contention about who gets the, the, the dog or the cat or whatever. I mean, that happens now. 
Um, so I'm sure that this will will play into that kind of a scenario. I, I, am I right there, Liz? Oh well, yeah. In fact, I had another uh, lady uh, write in uh, to my office and say that uh, she was so happy about this bill because when she got divorced, it was very uh, emotionally draining because um, the well-being of the dog. It was a real struggle with she and her ex-husband about the dog, custody of the dog. She finally got custody of the dog, but she had to give up a lot of other things. And it seemed that yeah. the well-being of the dog wasn't being considered. He, he was considered as she called property or chattel, and she was extremely stressed about the situation. But in um, fact, there is I mean, that, that's how we do look at animals in, in our legal system. Am I right, Max? Um, well, that is the traditional way of looking at animals. And by the way, the bill itself adds the phrase, uh, gives the court the power in, in issuing its decree in a divorce or dissolution, quote, if an animal is owned for the ownership or joint ownership of the animal, considering the well-being of the animal. And traditionally, animals are looked just looked on as a chattel, a piece of personal property, and they don't have to consider the well-being of the animal. And this will require the court at least to consider that if that does become an issue. And we very specifically not limited the bill to pets because animals are very important in Alaska, uh, particularly now with the Iditarod. And they're very valuable. Kennels are very valuable here. And I have had a case, at least one that I can remember, where the it, one of the issues was in settling the case, who would get the ownership of the, the dog team. And this is a family where one year the wife had run the Iditarod and then the husband the other year. They had alternated that, and we settled the case, and they continued that joint ownership and ran the Iditarod together for many years after they got divorced. Wow. that That's a, a workable divorce, it sounds like. Um, I don't, I, how many of those do we actually see? I don't know. That's kind of an aside. Um, but, w- Liz, when... Um, that, to me, that is also very significant because when we divide property and community property, we don't give a hoot what the table thinks about where it's going to go next. So this idea of taking in the welfare of the animal under consideration is kind of an exciting and uh, kind of a different approach, isn't it? Yes, it is. And yeah. I'm happy to um, see that approach. Yes. I am too, and I think most animal lovers are. But I can see where some people uh, would say, well, that's just a slippery slope. You know, if we do this, then what else are we going to do um, to humanize our animals and give them status as, as um, I don't know, human beings in our legal system? Do you? I'm throwing that out. I'm being devil's advocate here. Do you see that as an issue? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't consider that any more of an issue than the, when they adopted the first animal cruelty law. Because that really, that whole body of law um, really d- it focuses on the animal's well-being. And if you, don't, if you think there's a slippery slope, then you should repeal all the animal cruelty laws, too. That's true. That's true. Well, so good. Well. Good putting me in my place, Max. <laughs> okay. So what you, Max? You said that this. You're hoping that this bill will get to the governor's desk by the end of the year. Um, do you think this is going to spur other um, legislation along these lines, or do you think that this one is kind of self-contained, or what? Do, what do you think, Max? Um, two things. Number one, the concept shouldn't be so revolutionary, if you think about it, for a court in a divorce, as, as they're awarding the, the animal, to consider the animal itself and the health and everything else. That is all included in, in the phrase well-being. It's not just best interest. We're talking about physical safety and stuff like that. Um, I think that as more and more 
people own pets. And as the society gets, gets more and more sensitive in this area, uh, this is going to be something the courts do this in many cases now. But it, the, the problem sometimes is that courts have no standards in the divorce award. I was just talking literally yesterday with somebody from Oregon. By the way, the Lewis and Clark Law School offers the first course now, from what I know nationally, in animal law, and was just talking to one of the professors there. And there's no standards for the courts to apply. This will at least provide one factor that the court should consider in an appropriate case. Uh, It's like a number of years ago, in the award of child custody, the man got the kid. There was no question. And then there, the law advanced, and both the mom and the dad would have a right to the kid. In some cases, now the woman has a preference, this sort of a thing. But the best, the best standard is the well-being of the child, the child's best interest. And I think every state does that. So this is an evolutionary thing. And having the legislature set the standard, I think, is a step in the right direction. Liz? Do you foresee a, a future um do do you see this bill as kind of a stepping off for future legislation? Well, not right now, but I think it's like uh, my colleague has just stated it's a step in the right direction. Mhm. Okay. All right. Um but you know but does 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 the law and I'm trying to call it up um on my screen which I I'm not doing successfully the law max you said it specifically says animals liz would that include farm animals yes it does any animal okay. that is that has a vertebrae let me see the definition okay. right here uh yeah the right. the de- there's a definition contained in the bill itself, in several places, but one of the places we've defined animal is now in the, uh, the, the marital and family relations title, Title 24, and it says, in this chapter, animal means a vertebrate, living creature, not a human being, but does not include fish. And that is the same definition that is already included throughout the criminal code and in Title III, the animal code. So we're doing the same thing they've done in the past. Great. Great. So if you're fighting over, you know, Bubbles the goldfish, you're out of luck. Um, yes. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but otherwise, you're going to have some some, uh, some some clout behind you with this legislation. Um, mm-hmm. When you proposed this legislation, Liz, um, did you anticipate any kind of flack over it, or did you think that this would, you know, pretty much um, this will be popular as it's proving to be? Frankly, I'm a little surprised how popular it is. I thought we would have more obstacles and more, um, you know, folks saying this is ridiculous. But um, I have some folks from my district saying, really, you've got budget issues and you've got a pipeline issue. Really, you're, you're really getting involved in this? <laughs> but Well, you know, sometimes we have to take a moment to, to pick that national flower or the national bird or the state, um, you know, yep. weed or whatever. Sometimes we just need to do that, um, to yes. step back and, and do something that just makes us feel like we've done something good. Um, yes, and, and it smile mean, and smile. Yes, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not spending as much time on all the crisis stuff. I'm sure, um, but yeah, I, I I I can see this being very popular. And uh, as you pointed out, Max, the the one of the intriguing things about this legislation is that you guys are on opposite sides of the aisle, and many of the the uh, supporters for the bill are on opposite sides of the aisle. Liz, you are a Republican from Anchorage, and Max, you are a Democrat from Anchorage. Am I correct on that one? But that is correct. Yes. Uh, okay. You know, and uh, you, you, I was just going to say that, that Alaska uh, has about 700,000 people uh, in a huge state. Uh, about 42% of the people live in Anchorage, and Liz represents one area, and I represent an area on the other side of town. 
uh, Anchorage is over 300,000 people. Um, uh, and it's grown about, well, it's not grown particularly right now, but usually about one point a year uh, has been in the past. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a medium-sized town. But I think having, uh, and Liz, correct me if, if your experience is different, but as I go door-to-door, and we campaign in Alaska door-to-door, um, that's just the way it's done. So we know our constituents, many of them personally, and so many households have pets. And you knock on the door, you ring the bell, and you hear a barking on the other side. That's Alaskans. That's the way we are. If we were in the middle of Manhattan, I think we'd probably have far fewer pets. I don't know. But lots of people throughout the state, you don't have to live out in the bush, even in the middle of Anchorage, you have pets. So it's not just a question of a budget crisis here or the building of a gas pipeline. What we're doing here will probably at least as much affect people in their day-to-day living as some of these other bigger problems. It affects people all over the state. Absolutely. Well I said, Max, when I uh, went door-to-door, when I've gone door-to-door, I would say at least 70% of the folks uh, that I contact have pets. It, it, very often I have dogs greeting me at the door with their owner, so, or not greeting me, <laughs> just talking. <laughs> yes. No, I've been pleasantly surprised how many uh, Anchorage uh, constituents have pets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, let's be honest, you need something to keep your feet warm, don't you, in the winter? (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, let's just be practical. (laughs) One dog for two feet, you're going to have to have more dogs for more feet, I think. Um, I say that because I I have a Newfoundland, and there's nothing better on a cold evening than to have her curled up on top of your feet. It's just like having your own little radiant heat. There, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, we've all heard <laughs> so, and I imagine you guys need it even more. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you anticipate any? Um, uh, I'm trying to think how to phrase this. I'm assuming that this bill will be passed. You know, I I, I think it sounds like you have such a great support. It's bipartisan. It's fast tracking through the house. Um, it just sounds to me like this is probably, you know, barring anything unexpected happening, going to shoot through and and be in effect for what next year maybe. Max, what's your best guess? Um, I, 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 we we hope so. But I was going to say when you were talking about dogs, uh, we've all heard the phrase three dog night." That's an Australian <laughs> yes. phrase, and that's where that came from. So for for those of you who were in my generation and remember the, the, the singing group, that didn't originate with them. That's the Australian phrase. Oh, really? For how, how many dogs it'll take to keep you warm? Yeah, your feet. Exactly right. Oh, for heaven's sake. I never knew that, and I am in your generation. <laughs> oh, that that's funny. That's funny. You know, uh, here in in uh, well in in um, Wyoming, there is a, a city, a little town called Ten Sleep, Wyoming, and that's because it took ten nights, ten sleeps, for the Indian uh, group to go from one location to this other location, and so they the the. Uh, uh, location became known as Ten Sleep, Wyoming, and I always wow. thought that was so clever. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so now I've got another one to add to my my little pocket of miscellaneous knowledge here. Um, when you uh, write this legislation, how long does it take? To, you come up with the idea, Liz, and you go, "This, you know, this would be, be something good." And and you know, I've gotten some information, and this would be something good to do. What do you do then? Well, you uh, sit down and you do some legal research or have your staff do legal research. You uh, um, talk about the bill to colleagues that you work with before, that you've worked with before and see what their ideas are. Uh, Just fly the concept by them, what they think, and have uh, legal research, do some legal research, have the legal folks that draft start drafting something. And then what you do is you sit down with your colleagues one by one and you start getting support, 
co-sponsors. And, uh, I mean, that's kind of, in a nutshell, you have to do things like the timing. Uh, you have to come up with a section-by-section analysis. You have to come up with a sponsor statement. You've got to uh, approach leadership and ask for referrals, and hopefully you get minimal referrals so it's fast-track. So there's a lot of moving parts to this, and I it's a pleasure to work with Max. He's done a lot of heavy lifting on this one, and uh, I appreciate being part of his team. Max, do you want to add something to that? Um, you no, know, Liz, it's great having working with you. Um, this is, um, uh, first of all, it, it changes a little bit. What, what we're saying is what works well in the Alaska House of Representatives now. And uh, um, uh, the majority caucus has um, uh, seven, uh, um, uh, 27, and the uh, minority caucus has 13. Actually, um, uh, there's been a change recently, but basically that's it. And to get things through, it really helps to have a good idea, communicate it clearly, and mm-hmm. pick up bipartisan support. Um, uh, this bill has another aspect that we really haven't talked about, Heather, and that is yes. the part of the bill that enables local governments um, and shelters, which under law can seize animals that are endangered or n- abused or neglected. And there oh. is uh, there are a number of statutes not only in Title III, the Animal Code, but in Title XI, the Criminal Code, that talk about the ramifications of that. The, if somebody uh, is in a situation where they're charged with cruelty to animals or keeping fighting animals, the kind of thing that Michael Vick was convicted of at the federal level, the animals can be seized and there's mention made of that in the criminal code, but the procedure for seizing the animal and what happens then are governed by Title III, the criminal code, and they work hand in hand, and we've been modernizing and updating the criminal code to allow the government to recoup the cost of care, and that not only includes food and lodging, but veterinary care and things like that. And there are time limits uh, that if uh, if nothing is done and the person doesn't claim the animal, the animal can be put up for adoption after 10 days or potentially euthanized uh, if, if it can't be adopted after a period. These shelters don't do that quickly, but they're empowered to do that. And if the owner wants to prevent that, this law will allow the owner to put up a bond, which can be like putting up his house as security or whatever. Uh, The court sets the amount of that. Or the court can enter an ongoing order to pay so much a month for the care and maintenance of the animal. And uh, if if there's a, a factual dispute, they can have a hearing even in front of the judge. Due process. And this updates that there aren't many cases because most of the time if the people are just abusing or neglecting their animal uh, they may have some emotional problems may not have any money or whatever and just let the animals go but in some cases this is going to provide local governments with real tools so the taxpayers aren't out thousands of dollars and the animals are protected Liz, sometimes going back to the you know using that scenario in a in a separation or domestic violence situation, I can kind of foresee where that might go ag- uh, against the victim. Um, victims don't usually have a lot of money, and what if the animal is seized because the um, um, abuser hurts the animal? How do they determine who's going to pay for that? Would it be the 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 the, the victim or the the perpetrator or how on earth would a court sort that out? I think that's Liz? a good question, um, and Max can address that. But the statute right now says the owner of the animal. Okay. 
So presumably uh, the uh, owner uh, would be the one who signs on the license? Um, uh, uh, Heather, maybe I could answer that question. Sure. Sure. Um, uh, okay. In um, in let's let's there are two separate bodies of law. In domestic violence, the court can enter orders for the support of the victim, and so they have the power to order, for example, the perpetrator to pay child support on an interim basis, and the, and the order can last up to a year. It's a temporary uh, situation, temporary orders, and they're not to be used one domestic violence case after another. Occasionally, people try to do that, but that's not what they're supposed to do. They use it, and they can get a temporary order, and then they have to file a divorce. Um, And in a divorce, every state in the country, to my knowledge, has broad powers to issue support orders, and this traditionally can include, if necessary, the cost of care and maintenance for the, the let's say, the family residence, uh, mortgage payments, utilities and stuff. Same thing with the animals. And this is no different than the courts do in every case across the country routinely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, so it's like adding another dimension. It's just giving another um, another consideration to what's already being done. Is that Fair. Absolutely right. We're not we're not uh, inventing the wheel here. We are simply in the domestic violence case and in the divorce, putting out in statutes so that everybody knows what the courts can do now. In 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 family law cases, in divorces and dis in, in dissolutions in in the state of Alaska, eighty five percent have at least one litigant who doesn't have a lawyer. They're Virtually, the vast majority are pro-per, and they have self-help clinics. The courts uh, have developed this. They have forms for people to use, and it's really very much a developing area. And this is just something that will provide notice and make sure people know of their rights and responsibilities, and the courts, too. Yeah, yeah. I can I can understand that. Um Liz, what's what's next for this bill? You said it goes to um, the other chamber, or it's already gone through the other chamber? No, not yet. Um, it's still in the House of Representatives, and uh, we're up for a hearing next week. Uh, Max, I was told, was up uh, in judiciary, the Judiciary Committee on Wednesday. I they have, have moved it back because we didn't have a hearing oh, Monday, yesterday. Yes. The meeting was canceled. So we're definitely on the agenda for a week from Monday. Uh, it's the I was told by staff yesterday it's the only bill that's scheduled for a week from Monday. And they may schedule something else, too. But uh, the, the, uh, the chair of the Judiciary Committee and other members of the Judiciary Committee are already on the bills as co-sponsors. So people yes. like the bill. They do, yeah. Good. So, yeah, very good. Yeah. Um, in my chat room, I'm sorry we haven't had very many callers, but in my chat room I've gotten so many comments that basically say thank you. Thank you for doing this. This is necessary. Um, I wish this had been around when I needed it. Um, you know, so lots and lots of, of information. I'd vote for this, but I'm Canadian. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so you're, you're getting lots of support and lots of kudos out there. And uh, I don't really hear a lot of negative, which surprises me. I thought maybe we'd get some people saying, you know, you're giving you're giving rights to animals, and you know that that's a slippery slope, as I said before. And, and I'm surprised, uh, quite frankly, that I haven't been hearing from from people with that, those kinds of an attitude. So we must have a lot of pet lovers out there. And um, I think that you know another aspect of this is that animals are can be so instrumental in healing. And uh, again, specifically looking at the aspect of this from the domestic violence standpoint, um, you know, you, you, it's a it's a big deal for a person to say, okay, I'm going to rip my child away from all that they know just to, you know to try and keep them safe um but that's a huge thing and and when you know you you have a chance to to uh 
make sure that your child has his pet and, or, or her pet. And I mean, it could make a big difference. It could make a big difference. Um, and the research that we have in animals and uh, healing and uh, psychological health, I mean, it's so strong. Um, the fact that, that the animal, the pet, is being looked at in this legislation at all, I think, is a real positive note. Um, in, especially in domestic violence situations, uh, because there's a lot of healing that needs to go on, especially with children who have been exposed to that kind of thing. So I feel really positive about that, and that's why I asked you guys to come on the show and talk about it. Do you foresee, Max, anything in the future along these same lines that, that's uh, kind of tingling in the back of your head that needs to be addressed regarding pets? Well, let me back up a little bit, Heather. Um Okay. Getting the legislature involved in setting a standard here um, that the court can uh, adjudicate the ownership of the pet and uh, must um, uh, consider the, uh, the, be- the, the well-being of the pet is important because most of the law in family law is judge-made law. It's made, made decisionally, and it's based upon the facts of each case. And so for, to some extent, people look solely at the law of their own jurisdiction. Like in Washington, you'd look at the Washington law if you practice there. Here, if the legislature does something, that is quite often used as a model for other state legislatures. Uh, I'm on a committee uh, for the Council of State Governments, uh, which is a national organization. They have the National Governors Conference, etc. And the committee that I sit on is called the Suggested State Legislation Committee. And we meet twice a year. And there are people from all over the country there. And uh, we look at maybe up to a thousand new laws, and we put 30 in a book that goes out every year to legislators all around the country called Suggested State Legislation. And uh, um, uh, this may be an area that would attract some interest. And if we can, you know, use it as precedent, it could make a major effect around the country. I was not aware of that. Yeah, that that's uh, that is um, yeah. That's that's. I'm I'm trying to be articulate here. That's cool. <laughs> that is. And, and uh, I was just um, talking uh, just talking yesterday to the professor from Lewis and Clark Law School, and uh, this could provide really beneficial um, precedent. And uh, a book came out a number of years ago by Anna Freud, Sigmund Freud's daughter, called Beyond the Best Interests of the Child, and suggested that courts look at custody cases from the child's point of view and a child's sense of time. A little four-year-old has you know, a sense of time entirely different than a teenager or an adult, um, much more immediate. And the interplay between, uh, in that case, children and their parents, and here the interplay between the welfare of family members and animals is going to require the courts to really look more at the family dynamics in a family uh, in crisis, domestic violence or divorce, in in a new way, and I think will help courts really do justice. Well, it certainly seems to, and since we're talking about animals, this is a strange adjective to use, I suppose, but it certainly humanizes things more. Um, you know, to to either ignore uh, a pet or to classify it as the same as you would a, you know, a sofa, um, it, that doesn't say much about us as human beings. Um, so, you know, this whole idea of, um, acknowledging that this animal is actually something, it's a living thing and that it should be considered um, and its um, um, wishes or, or its, its best interests should be considered, um, I think definitely um, is a step in the right direction. Uh, especially, and again, I, I'm looking a lot at the domestic violence aspect and how this would affect that, but especially with uh, uh, children going through domestic violence, I just see this as it, it could just be a godsend for those kids. 
Um, so I think that this is an amazing, amazing legislation. The problem that we always have with legislation is we really don't know how it's going to play out. And somewhere down the road, there may be scenarios where, you know, we will go, oops, that was not the intention of this bill. Um, but from what I'm hearing and seeing and reading, I, I just don't see a lot of that happening with this bill. Liz, do you see that? Uh, does any of no, that cross your mind? No, no. No, it hasn't crossed my mind. And uh, frankly, if there's a harmful, unintended uh, consequence, um, I'd be willing to go back and submit uh, an amendment, so a bill down Mm -hmm. the road. But I don't anticipate that it's going to be needed with this bill. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, it all comes down to judges' interpretations. But, um, you know, I mean, the judge is the ultimate decider in these things. Um, And a judge is a human being, and uh, he or she, you know, looks at things in their own perspective. But this is a a basis, kind of a jumping-off place, uh, and it it sounds like it will enable them to use different, uh, different goggles, if you will, in looking at these situations. Is that how you see it, Liz? Well, it also provides them, as Max has previously stated, uh, tools, standards. Um, So it it provides them with quite a bit of tools in several areas we have discussed. Um, You know, you mentioned the healing component. Uh, Often people do not realize how important pets are to the healing process. For example, there are several studies that show that... um, the heartbeat and blood pressure of human beings actually come down or decrease while they pet or interact with their pets. Uh, There was one study where individuals had uh, undergone major heart surgery and they tracked all kinds of um, elements in their life and they found that pets, Owning a pet was significant in having individuals recuperate well from their surgery. Yes, it I is amazing. So. It's an amazing thing and um and you know i mean i i love my my pets and but i'm an old farm girl so i tend to look more uh a little bit more practically towards some animals you know i don't uh tend to anthropomorphize a lot um but there's no denying that our animals are are definitely an asset in our lives and they can be used uh, again as they can be abused they can be used as weapons they can be all sorts of things um and it sounds like this legislation is really a great step in addressing uh, as much as possible uh, the way that we look at animals at least from a legislative standpoint and from a judicial standpoint so i applaud both of you i have to ask you each do you have a dog liz do you have a dog Oh, I've got several dogs, <laughs> and I've got a parakeet, and I've got goldfish. <laughs> oh, well, you're out of luck hey. with the goldfish, Liz, until you, re, you know, come know, up with new legislation. <laughs> 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 anyway, I've been married 31-plus years, and I've we've always had dogs, and in fact, my wedding present was a dog. <laughs> Oh, how wonderful. Max, do you have a pet? Yeah, actually we do. Um, We have a little Shih Tzu, um, and uh, we inherited him when Kayla's parents passed away. Um, And he had come down, sort of handed down to her parents, and then her mom died. And then her dad died in his 90s, three or four years ago, in L.A. And the dog's name was Pierre. What a terrible name. <laughs> uh, I, I hope I'm not offending any of our listeners here. But, uh, you know, I thought well, you, you I, must... I thought we ought to name him uh, TK for Train Killer, but we decided on Tuffy <laughs> instead. And he's one of these little guys that flips on his back and licks your hand, and he is just the Aww. sweetest little dog. And, and Kayla's actually uh, even more involved than I am, i got to confess, that uh, she's on the Anchorage Animal Control Board and has been on it for many years and is the president of Anchorage Unleashed, which has spearheaded the establishment of dog parks 
throughout Anchorage, and there are now five major dog parks where the dogs can be off the leash and run free, and Anchorage has got a lot of wooded areas, and uh, frankly, I hope some of the folks who are listening from other parts of the country would uh, consider the possibility of uh, uh, dog parks uh, if there is available space and interest, it makes a lot of difference to the Max, welfare of the pets. Thank you so people. much. Thank you so much. We're running out of time here, so I hate to cut you off. I usually end our show with a quote, and I'm going to use one from James Harriet. If having a soul means being able to feel love and loyalty and gratitude, then animals are better off than a lot of humans. Thank you, Liz, for your legislation. Thank you, Max, for your work. And thank you both for being with us on Three Women, Three Ways. Thank you. Thank you.